Let's all now turn. Let's all turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17. If you can all please stand to honor the reading of his word. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17. It says, and this is Paul speaking, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, or a new creation, Old things have passed away. Look, all things have become new. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. A new creation, a brand new creation. It's a brand new year. Many make new promises every year, and I talk about just about every year, but everybody makes new promises, brand new promises every year. Oh, this year I'm going to lose weight. Oh, I've never made that promise. <laughs> We make brand new promises, going to lose weight. I'm going to do better at dressing. I'm going to do better this year with my marriage. I'm going to do better this year with my job. I'm going to do better financially. I'm going to do better with this. I'm going to do better with that. You know, I've heard so many promises, and every year, have you noticed? I'm sure you have. Every year around Christmas, one of the things you always see is diet commercials. Oh, my heavens. Oh, yeah, boy, I've heard all, I'm hearing amen in all sorts of different ways right now. But you hear it every year. Brand new this, brand new that. Well, this is the first Sunday of year 2024. It's hard to believe it's that, but it is, 2024. Isn't that something? 2024. And it's the last day of the final week of 2024. Uh, that was last week. I already mentioned that. And this is the... Last week of the new year, last day of the week of the new year. I know it's the first day of the week, but this is the last day, the seventh of the first week of the new year. And I believe it or not, I'm sure there's already most people who've made a promise have already broken their promise. I guarantee. I was thinking so stupid that people make a promise never to drink again. I'm going to break break the trend of being a drunk or whatever the problem is, and they start off the new year being drunk. Or, I'm going to lose weight this year, but so it's midnight. Wait a minute, wait a minute. 10, 9, 8, 7, 2, 1, and their mouth is full. Happy New Year. And you, you see it. You see it. You see it every year. Oh, boy. I'm never going to get in a bad relationship again. They start the new year off in a bad relationship or whatever. You see it happen all the time. Many want to be new, but they count on the old self to produce new promises and a new life. But folks, only God, only God can produce a new you if you will rely on him. Because God knew, he knew that he, when he was making the new us, he had to go on to a covenant. He had to make a covenant. What is a covenant? A promise. And he couldn't count. And couldn't build on the old men, on the old man, the old man being sinful mankind. He knew he couldn't do that. And so what did he do? He built the promise, the covenant on himself, the Lord God, when he built it with Abram, as Abraham. He had to build it on himself. And so he knew that with us too, he wasn't going to build it on us. He had to build it on himself through Jesus Christ. We spoke about it in Sunday school. I started speaking before the sermon even began. And I knew uh, that I was going to get to that, 
even now, because he knew that there had to be a covenant, a promise of everlasting life, but it couldn't be built on ourselves and our works. It had to be built on Christ. We're not good enough. We're not good enough to be new on our own. You can't earn your way to heaven, and you're not good enough to keep your salvation on your own. Pastor, I sin so often. I know you're human. But we're not justifying sin. We're not justifying it. But we're saying that God knew. He knew that you couldn't be new. He knew you couldn't be new on your own. That's why your covenant, your promise is not built on you. Your covenant of being new is built on the newness of life through Christ, through Jesus, through God. Because he knew that you can't be new on you. He knew that. That is why God knew the only way that we could be new is to know Christ, God. He knew that. The title of today's sermon is, If You Only Knew. And before, if you have a bulletin, before you think that my mother misspelled the word new, no, she didn't. If it's spelled correctly in the bulletin, it's spelled incorrectly because I told her to spell it N-E-U. Because that is correctly spelled incorrectly. <laughs> the word is, if you only knew, N-E-W. If you are new. You see, if you only knew, K-N-E-W, who and what we were before salvation, if you only knew who the people were before they were saved, if you only knew who people were before they were saved or what I was before I was saved, you would know that I was nothing but a, in an unsaved, lost individual, a liar. I was a liar. I was one who was born sinful and disgusting and horrible, just like you. Pastor, that hurts. It's the truth. You were born imperfect. You were born because of what Adam and Eve did. We we're born imperfect and prepared to go to hell. But God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to be brand spanking new. He wants you to be brand new. If you only knew who and what we were before salvation or the sinful battles and struggles that we have even now, that you're saved. I have wrestling matches all the time with old self. Oh, yes, I do. I sure do. But through Jesus, we are victorious and made new. No, not because I'm so great, but because the one who saved me is. Hallelujah. I can't stay sitting. I can't stay sitting. I can't because I'm excited. I'm excited because of what Jesus Christ can do through me. I'm victorious, not because I'm victorious, but because Jesus Christ is victorious. He's already won the battle. Jesus Christ has made you victorious, and he can make you brand new. And in a time of cancel culture, which we are in, by the way, we're in a time of cancel culture. And in this time of cancel culture, which people want to cancel people out just because they've made mistakes in life. Let me tell you something. In a time of cancel culture, when someone says something wrong or is wrong to popular opinion, where they want to cancel you and write you off as if you're no good and you shouldn't be remembered. Oh, didn't you hear what so-and-so said? They said something that hurt some, someone's feelings. Take them out. Oh, hey, we're our hero. 
Oh, they're ruining my childhood. They, they used to be my hero. They were my hero for 37 years. But they said something that was acceptable all those years ago. But now it's not acceptable. Now that word means something different because we decided it's not good anymore. So now let's write them off. Oh, yeah, they were heroes. We had statues of them in Times Square. But now tear the statue down. Throw it out. Get rid of them. Now they're evil. Get rid of them. They're no longer heroes. Let's call them evil. Let's call them villains now. Get rid of their holiday. We got to cancel them out. But praise God, God isn't about cancel culture. God isn't about that. That's not how God works. Otherwise, you would all be canceled. You would all spend eternity in hell if God was about cancel culture. God's not like that. Thank Jesus he's not like that. God sees the potential, not the potential in you, the potential in Jesus Christ through you and through me. He sees what he can do through the obedient. Through the obedient. Let's look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and tw through 12. Romans 3, 10 through 12. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is one Excuse me, there is no one who does good. No, not one. Like that song says. No, not one. No, not one. Who is earning their way to heaven? No, not one. No, not one. Who is perfect besides the Lord God through Jesus Christ? No, not one. No, not one. Romans 3, 22 through 26, because we're skipping. We're skipping to where it makes a point again. Romans 3, 22 through 26. This righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all and upon all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood for a demonstration of his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins previously committed to prove his righteousness at this present time so that he might be just and be the justifier of him who has faith in Jesus. But pastor, you don't know me. You don't know everything I've done wrong. No, and I don't need to, but God does. But pastor, I've thought some really bad things. I, so have I. But thank God, I'll say it again, thank God, one more time, thank God that he's good enough to take care of my worthlessness. Thank God for that. And God chose the imperfect long before you were born, long before I was born, God chose the imperfect to show his perfection through, through the days, through the years, through the Bible. So here's what we're going to do. He decided to take the old, imperfect man and bring the new, perfected man. Not because they were perfect, but because he took the perfected one 
and change them. So here's what we're going to do. Right now, I'm going to take six Old Testament and six New Testament people, mostly men, but when God talks about man, he's talking about mankind, not just men. So because of that, I specifically, purposely chose at least one woman, even though I could have done more. But I wanted to let you see that there are, there are 12 people we're going to look at. No, not 12 disciples, not 12 apostles, although two of them are at least. And I want you to see how these 12 people were horrible if we look through the eyes of us. They were all sinners. They were all bound for hell. Every single one of them. They've done horrible things. Many of the things they've done, you've done. Many of the things they've done, you've done. Because God says all sins are equal. And they're all equal in the eyes of God. Oh, yes, they are. Every single one of them, you might say, oh, but my sins are really bad. Oh, and they are. They are. They are. Are your sins worse than theirs? No. Because all sins are equal in the eyes of God. Now, maybe the repercussions are worse. Maybe it's bad because it affects other people more. I don't know. But let's just take a look at what God can do and who he chose to use. If he can use them, he can use you. Let's just take a look. Number one, God, and I'm going to go through the Old Testament first, okay? God chose a murderer. God chose a murderer. That was Moses. Moses was a murderer. And God chose him. The one who wrote the first five books of the Bible. The one that God chose to, to bring the Ten Commandments. Oh, that's right. A murderer. He wrote all those Ten Commandments down. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20. God didn't tell Moses to write them down. First of all, God spoke to the people in Exodus chapter 20. In front of all the people, he spoke. And God, by the way, knew that the people would try to complain about Moses, and they did. So God spoke in front of all the people, so they heard the Ten Commandments before Moses. By the way, God wrote them down on the tablets, not Moses. Moses rewrote them down after he threw them down in front of them. I mean, so you can think about that. But the point is, is that God spoke those commandments, not Moses. But God chose a murderer. What did he do? He killed an Egyptian. And God made Moses new to lead the Hebrews to freedom. By the way, he also had insecurity. He had insecurity. He didn't believe he could do anything. I know what that's like. But he did that. He chose him to be a leader. Number two, God chose a liar and a thief. Arrogant, too, by the way. An arrogant, lying thief named Jacob. He changed him and changed his name to Israel. And from him, he brought 12 tribes. And from him, he brought Judah. And from Judah later on would come David and Solomon, who later on would bring Jesus. My point is that God could take, if God could take a liar and a thief, he can change you too. Number three, God chose a, a loner and complainer full of fear. He fled in fear. And who was that? Elijah. Now, Elijah was used, as you know, Elijah was used of God, and Elijah was used, even though he was full of fear, he also ran, being full of courage, to bring people to follow God. 
So though he could be full of fear, he could also be full of courage. God can change that in our lives. Number four, God chose the insecure, fearful, doubtful, self-doubting man named Gideon. And that self-doubting man of Gideon changed and realized that even though he felt unimportant because he was the youngest in his family, was not the, the eldest, and at the time the fellow had to be the eldest son to do things, he could be used of God to lead his people into battle. And through God, he led those people and destroyed those who went against God's people. Number five, God chose an adulterer, murderous liar. That was King David. Now, King David was one who'd already been changed. He had already followed God. He'd already done these things. I'm using this as an example for this person and the next person, which would be David and Solomon. He used these two people who had already been chosen of God, already followed God, but while they were doing this, they went back to the old self and chose to do these things, listen to the old flesh. Why am I doing this? Because sometimes a Christian slips off their path, slips over their big toes, you could say, stubs their toe on a rock, and slips. But just because you fall down over a rock and you fall on their face, doesn't mean you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the path. Just get back up again and follow God, and he'll take you to where he wanted to take you in the first place. It doesn't mean you don't have scars and scratches all over your kneecaps because you fell. No, you may have your scars and scratches and all that stuff, but next time you see that rock, you'll look down to your scratches and scars and, and all that, and you'll remember what happened, and you'll go around the rock. God will help you with it. And maybe you'll help another person when they're about to fall. Who knows? But just remember, God helped the insecure, fearful, doubter, self-doubting man, or excuse me, the, the adulterer, murderous, liar, King David. And from him, from him, he brought Solomon. 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 Remember, God chose number six. God chose an unwise man of, of wisdom. And that unwise man of wisdom, because remember, he had no wisdom, and God brought it to him, and he had that wisdom when he was following God. But he gave in to the lust of power, wealth, and sex. Because it's not just lust of, of, of lust, but he, the lust of all the other stuff, too, power, uh, power, wealth, and idolatry. Because those women had other gods, and he followed them. But through that, he grew in wisdom once again. Because you can look in the book of Ecclesiastes of that. He went back to wisdom again. And from that, he grew wiser than ever and told us to only have one God. He learned from all this. My point is, even when you stumble, you get back up again. Now, time to go to the New Testament. God chose a demon-possessed woman. A demon-possessed woman. She wasn't just demon-possessed. She was demon-possessed from seven demons. Seven demons had this woman. Her name was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene not only was possessed of seven demons, but she became new. When she became new, she became brand spanking new, and she was determined and loyal. She stayed to the end of Jesus' death and went to his tomb, and whenever she stayed to the tomb, she stayed there even when Peter and John ran away, went away from the tomb and said, there's no way someone took his body. She stayed there, and she was the first one that Jesus appeared to. Man, I'm telling you, Mary Magdalene completely changed. 
You say, oh, God can't change me because I've done some evil things. Have you been demon-possessed for seven demons? God can choose someone who's been completely evil and changed her. Number eight, God chose a tax collector. Tax collectors were hated by Jews because, think about this man was worked for Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was an evil man. This man worked for Herod Antipas. His name was Levi, also known as Matthew. But he gave up his love of money. He gave up his loving of money to follow God. Jesus said, follow me, and he did. God changed Matthew, and Matthew was the first one to write the gospel. That was Matthew, very first one to write the gospel. Number nine, God chose a loud, boisterous, hard-headed, cursing know-it-all by the name of Simon. He was a fisherman. God changed his name to Peter, in other words, Cephas, in other words, the rock. Because Jesus said to him, I'm going to build my church upon you, and he did. He was the first one who spoke out in the book of Acts, spoke out when the Holy Spirit came upon people. He was there to lead the church when it first started. God chose Simon, made him a completely new man. Number 10, God chose a temperamental hothead with outbursts of anger and occasional arrogance, just like his brother James. This man's name was John. We don't think of John that way, do we? No. We always think of John after he changed. He made him so loving and so close to God. We think of him as the beloved because he was. But even the beloved wasn't the arrogance of him. He was only beloved because he didn't want to name his name. He didn't want to sound arrogant. He was occasionally arrogant, like his brother James, because their mother asked them if they could sit at the right hand or sit there next to God. That's why that was arrogant. They thought that they'd be more loved than the other apostles. That's why they were arrogant. They thought they were more important than those around them. But he was a temperamental hothead, outburst of anger. But yet we know John as being a loving, kind, sweet man. And he was. But only when God changed him. Number 11, God chose Jesus' little brother, James. Jesus' little brother, James, kind of sweet to think of it that way. James, Jesus' little brother. Now, I'm not talking about the, the apostle. I'm talking about the one who wrote the book of James. By the way, the book of Jude, also Jesus' little brother. But James was a non-believer. So was Jude. But a non-believer. He just thought his brother was crazy when he would hear his brother. I mean, you grow up with a man, and you... You didn't know him as being the son of God. I mean, think about that. If, if you had a, a brother in your house and you grew up with him, and he goes around telling people, I'm the son of God, you think he's a little off his nut. And he did think that. He thought he was crazy. But, but once he saw that he was resurrected, he knew that he was the son of God. And he became a Christian. In fact, he was the first, he was a chairman of the very first church, and he died a martyr. He died a martyr. So James, God changed from being a doubter, a non-believer, thinking his brother was crazy to knowing his brother was the Messiah and is the Messiah and is now living in his heart. And He died protecting the name of the church and leading in the church and dying for the church. And number 12, last and most certainly not least, God shows a pious, self-righteous, Gentile bigot, and by that I don't mean he was a Gentile, but he was bigot to the Gentiles. 
and a Christian hater and killer, Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus hated the Gentiles, thought that they were horrible. He was a bigot. He was a prejudice to them. And he's prejudiced to the Christian. He wanted them to die. Wanted to kill him, and he did. Hold the coat when Stephen died. When Stephen was stoned to death, he didn't stone him. But he held the coats of the other killers and said, go ahead. If they had popcorn, he would have eaten it. Because he was a self-righteous Jewish man, not just a Jewish man by uh, being Hebrew, but of Judaism. He believed that Jesus was horrible and that Jesus deserved to die. And then he met Jesus on the road after Jesus' death. And God changed Paul. And Paul no longer was a hater of the Gentiles and the Christians, but he became a Christian. Christian and Saul changed his name to Paul. And he went 14 years after he was saved, went and preached to the Gentiles. And God used him to be the one to change what people believe. Not because he was, but because God did it through him. So God changed all these people. God can change anyone. Just last night, I was watching a movie, a movie called Big George Foreman. And I loved it. And it's on Netflix if you have it. But Big George Foreman was a good movie. More importantly, I've always loved George Foreman. Now, when you think of George Foreman, you probably think of a man who's selling grills, right? A you know, great, big, lovable dude, but he wasn't always that way. When he was a little boy, he was an angry young man. I was getting in fights in school. And as he grew up, not only was he always getting fights, he didn't have a father around. He didn't have anyone to, to, to raise him. And he ended up being a thug and a thief. And he ended up spending a lot of time doing a lot of bad things, stealing and all sorts of things. But then he found himself to be a boxer. He was, raised, he was trained while he was going through a, a, a little training in kind of a school. He learned to be a boxer. Through that, through many years being a boxer, he became champion for a short time, was beaten by Muhammad Ali. We know about that story, uh, you know, the rumble in the jungle and all that. But through that time, after being a boxer and defeated, he became saved through Jesus Christ. He, he laughed at Jesus before he was saved, laughed at him, said that it was, his mom was a Christian, and he laughed and said that there is no such thing and laughed about it. But he became saved one day, asked Jesus in his heart, and he said that he died that day, got, was born again, became brand new, uh, living again. And he gave up boxing and became a, not only a Christian, but then became a preacher. Then he wasn't just a preacher, he became a pastor, started a church. Then, years later, his church was about to be closed. This gym that he started for, for poor uh, boys in the hood, it started to be closed. So what did he do? He decided to go back into boxing because he believed that God called him to need to find a way to save all that, to save his ministry. And so he became a boxer for Christ, so to speak, and became a, believe it or not, became a champion again. And through those years, he became a salesman for the grill and all that other stuff. And that's whenever he got changed, he became the George Foreman that we knew. He went from being an angry hater to being a loving, kind man, the gentle man that we all know and love, and became best friends with Muhammad Ali through time. My point of all this is to say that God can take a hateful, angry person and change them completely brand new from within. And right now is the part where you say, oh, I know, I know, but I'm too old to change. Liar. That's the devil lying to you. I'm not saying you're a liar. I'm saying that you're being lied to and we buy it. I'm too old to change. You don't understand. I'm old. 
I don't care what age you are. God can do all things and he can change. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. I've been through a lot. God can wipe it clean. If he can change George, if he can change Paul, if he can change David, if he can change all these people I just mentioned, he can change you. I don't care if you've been through the things that seem worse than worse than worse. If he could take a woman who's been possessed by seven demons, he can change you. And you have no excuse because you have Jesus himself alive in you. Amen? I'll say it again. You have God living in you. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you only knew how new you are and how new you can or could be. God wants to make us new. Now, some settle for a makeover, but they settle for a makeover of the old self. Now, you've seen it. I'm going to get a makeover, and they put a little bit of makeup on. And there's nothing wrong with that, put makeup on. But the problem is, is as a Christian, they just settle for a makeover of the old self. I'm going to go to church this Sunday, and I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to put a little bit of pretty on. Folks, there's no need for that. Don't just put makeup over the old, ugly self. And I'm not talking about you personally, okay? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the old, sinful self. The old, sinful self. I'm just going to put a little bit of rouge on the old, sinful self. No! God wants to give you a complete makeover. A complete makeover. You don't need to go and, and get Botox put in you either. You see people do that all the time, you know, the Botox. They look like some kind of crazy female gremlin. No, the truth be told, you don't need to do that. Because God, being the creator of all things, can make you brand new. Brand spanking new. Yes, they settle for a makeover of the old self. But you can be new inside and out only by the power of Jesus, not from the power of yourself. Pastor, I just don't know how to do that. Because you can. You have to call upon God and devote yourself to God. Read the word, not just with your eyes, not just with your reading abilities, but through the Holy Spirit. Pray. Devote yourself to him. Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. By the way, coming in a couple months, we're going to be devoted on our Wednesday nights to the book of Hebrews. And it might take us a month or two. We're going to go through the entire book of Hebrews from beginning to end. And we're going to study on it. Coming up in a couple months, I'm giving you a heads up. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 35 all the way to verse 5 of chapter 11. And by the way, that's not that much. But let's read it. Hebrews chapter 10, 35. Through 11. Through 11, verse 3, and we're going to read verse 6. That's what it was. Okay, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which will be greatly rewarded, for you need patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. For in yet a little while, he is to come he, is, he who is to come will come and will not wait. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now listen to this. 
but we are not of those who draw back to destruction. Now, we're talking about going back to being like the unsaved, the people, the Hebrews, kept believing they could lose their salvation. But we're not talking about losing salvation. You cannot. But listen to this. But we are not of those who draw back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the saving of the soul. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, not the evidence of things not seen. For by it the men of old obtained a good report. By faith we, subs we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God, so that things that are seen were not made out of things which are visible. Now verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes, from, comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This whole chapter is about how the people who could not see God, the people who could not even see heaven until after Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again, were going to get to go to heaven. This is about having faith no matter what happens. Now, we need to have faith no matter what occurs in our life, and that's hard to do sometimes. But let's now read Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Romans 6, 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? God forbid! How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know that we who are, were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. That is why we say that when we do baptism. Rise up and walk in the newness of life. We have to rise up and walk in a new life. It's a brand new you. You know, we just had Christmas. And when you open up your present, we're not opening up old stuff, unless you get something that's a, a, an old uh, antique. But most of the time, you don't get an antique. You get something that's brand spanking new right out of the wrapper. And you're, you're like, oh, look, I got a new. And there's something about putting on a new pair of socks or a new. I don't think that anybody wants to get an old pair of socks with holes in it and everything. And every day, if you see that, that your holy self is holy, in other words, with holes in it, take yourself to Jesus. If you find that you're not feeling holy but holy, <laughs> that's your problem. Take it to Christ. You don't need to be full of holes. If someone brings you a gift and it's got holes in it, there's a problem. Now, I say this to you. I knew a, a person one time, no joke, who bought themselves a new television, bought themselves a new television, boxed with the new box, boxed the old television and gave it to their mother for Christmas. People do that to themselves every day as a Christian. Box their old selves up and give it to themselves as the gift of God. Wrong! By the way, what a scum to do that to your mama. But no, what a scum for yourselves to do that to yourselves. God wants you to be completely new. Quit giving yourself a used old self every day. You don't need to settle 
Why settle for the old you when God wants to give you a brand new gift every day? And that is that you are brand new. You can be a new you daily. Why are you doing that to yourself? Don't put on crusty old socks. <laughs> You're brand new fresh every day. Save through Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an incorruptible and undefiled inheritance that does not fade away, kept in heaven for you. It doesn't fade away. It doesn't fade away. 2 Peter 1, 3-4. Now this is why I'm reading this to you. I found it very interesting. That 1 Peter 3 through 4 and 2 Peter 1 3 through 4 are they're not the same, but they connect in a way. This is what it says in 2 Peter 1 3 through 4. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence, by which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, so that through these things you might become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. God gives us so many things. So many things God has given us. But we settle, we settle. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 through 24. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off the former way of life in the old nature, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new nature, which was created according to God and righteousness and true holiness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, Colossians 3, 5 through 10. Colossians 3, 5 through 10. Therefore put to death the parts of your earthly nature, sexual immorality, uncleanness, inordinate, which means excessive, uh, affection, excessive affection, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. You also once walked in these, then you lived in them. But now you must also put away all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie one to another, since you have put off the old nature with its deeds and have embraced the new nature which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created it. We're to walk in the new nature, in the image of God. We're new. We're to be new, to continue to be new. This is not just a new year. This is to be a new you. Not just a new year, but a new you. We're to continue to walk in the newness of life. We're to continue to walk in that way. Or as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17-21, 2 Corinthians. Now, I know we started off this sermon talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, but it didn't just say that one verse. 
It said all these verses, and so I'll say it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, once again, along with verses 18, 19, 20, and 21. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, or creation. Old things have passed away. Look, all things have become new. All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God we're led, we're led through us. We implore you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You hear? Through Christ, we're new, brand new, a whole brand new you. It's not because of your goodness, but because of the goodness of God. Again, before you say to yourself, I'm too old to be changed, change that brain around. Don't listen to that old self. No, no, no. Don't listen to that. You can be new. I'm to set my ways and change your ways. Hand it to God. Don't listen to the old worldly nature. Don't listen to the devil. Don't do it. Jesus didn't, and you don't need to either because Jesus is in you. Don't settle for that laziness because that's what it is. It's all a lie. Abram got changed, and Abram, who was changed to Abram, became a father at 100 years old. <laughs> If Abraham could change his diaper at the age of 100, I think you can let God change you. God can change you. You have to let him. God made all these people new. God changed a murderer. God changed a liar. God changed an adulterer. God changed an idol worshiper. God changed the arrogant, pious, self-righteous. God changed the temperamental, hotheads, the emotional, inept and insecure. God changed the loudmouth, cursing complainers with the poor little mirrors of the world. God changed the money grubbers, the thieves. God changed the sexually perverse. God changed the doubters of God, the unbelievers and the lost, and he changed the demon possessed. If God can change all that and made them new, that he can do the same for you. Now, I just mentioned a whole slew, a whole list of horrible, sinful natures of old selves, I'm sure in that long list, one of those things describes you. Pastor, I'm not demon-possessed. I didn't say he was. Pastor, I'm not a murderer. I didn't say he was. Pastor, I'm not a liar. Well, I'm just saying that all of us have sinful nature. All of us have sinned upon short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have sin in our life. But God has come to make us new so that we don't have to go to hell, but we can go to heaven. And if you have sin in your life right now, then don't wait another minute. Come forward today. But I'm already saved. Great. I'm glad you're saved. But don't wait anymore. Quit sitting in the pew on Sunday morning when God wants to make your life new every single Sunday morning. We sit in these pews and we take advantage of the fact that the, we have an invitation and we don't take a, advantage of the invitation. 
We don't know why our lives aren't changing because we're not letting it change. We're not letting ourselves become new. The invitation is not just to sit there and sing a beautiful song at the end. No, the invitation is so that we come forward and God, God changes from within. I have an invitation every single day of my life, but it's not so I can go right back and eat another Twinkie and say, God, why am I not changing? I don't understand what's going on. You have to let God do the work in you, but you got to let him do it. It's a new year, and it's time for a new you. If you only knew how new the new you could know to be through Jesus, and there's no other way, but you have to let him today come forward. Come forward in the invitation for whatever is going on. If you want to stand here and pray with me, I even grabbed my anointing oil that was given to me recently from a wonderful sister. Uh, I have this anointing oil, a special, beautiful, good-smelling Rose Sharon, and it's for you today. If you have something to pray about, whatever it is that is on your heart, on your mind, that you want to pray for, let this be the day as the year begins. Let your life change. Invitation is not just for salvation. It's for a renewal of your life daily with Christ. If you don't want to pray with me, we have these pews for praying. We'll do whatever needs to be done. But you need to make sure that every day there is a new you. If you only knew how new you could be and how new you could feel. And you're only cheating yourself. And I close today with Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. See, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not be aware of it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let us now bow in prayer. Lord God. I pray that you help us. Help us, Lord God, not only to be new in our own minds and new in our hearts, but Lord, to come forward and let you make us new, Lord, to let you do the changing in our lives, not so that we feel better only, but that we be better in the spirit and emotionally, mentally, physically, in all the ways spiritually that we need to be I pray that our lives be made new today and tomorrow and every day. I pray for your will upon our lives. And I pray all of this in your holy, precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.